Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. If you read through the New Testament, Jesus wears a lot of hats. He's called the Son of Man, the Son of God, referred to as Lord, as Savior, as Messiah. But if you spent time with Jesus in the first century, the term that you probably might have used most often is rabbi. Rabbi is used in reference to Jesus more than 60 times in the New Testament. A rabbi is a teacher. A rabbi would travel from town to town with your yoke or their teachings. We see this in the Gospels. Jesus goes from town to town and teaches people that the kingdom of God has come near. The awaited arrival of God's redemption is beginning and people would gather around this hope-filled message that Jesus was teaching, his yoke. So to see Jesus as a rabbi means to follow Jesus as our teacher. See how many times in the Gospels that Jesus calls people, says, come follow me, and they follow Jesus. Jesus did not just come and call people to follow him so that they could go to heaven when they die. He calls people to follow his life. When we talk about following someone, we generally mean casually observing them, sort of like what we might do on social media. Maybe there's somebody that you follow on social media. Sometimes people who visit Christchurch will tell me that they have followed us for a while before deciding to make a decision to visit. But following Jesus is not just sort of a casual observation and liking things that he says occasionally. Following Jesus is much deeper in the Gospels. John Mark Comer says that the word closest to what to follow a rabbi is like would be to an apprentice. About a decade ago, there was a show on Spike TV, it used to be on Netflix, not sure if it's still there, called Coal. And it follows a fictional family of coal miners in West Virginia. And in the day shift, there includes um, a father and son team. The names are Andy Christian Sr. and Andy Christian Jr. And Andy Sr. is known as the legend and is heralded as the best minor operator in West Virginia. This means he is responsible for finding the coal seam and directing the mechanized miner uh, to it in the most efficient and effective manner. And it seems in this, in this TV show that he was born for this job. Whenever cash flow became a real critical thing for the mining company, somehow Andy Christian Sr. seemed to find the coal and save the company from bankruptcy time and time again. It's mentioned during the show that Andy Sr. and Andy Jr. have been driving to work together since Andy Jr. was old enough to work. The viewer can actually... Um, See how apprenticeship to a loving father might have actually looked all those generations ago when such things were more common. It's obvious that his son reciprocates his father's love and desperately wants to be like him. The father literally goes into the dark and dangerous mines with his sons 
with his son and shows him all of the pitfalls and the dangers. He teaches his son all of the tricks of the trade and how to thrive um, in what seems to be the most inhospitable place. The great wealth of knowledge is passed from father to the son is clearly done in love rather than duty. I don't know if that sort of apprenticeship is something which we commonly find in our world today. Maybe in other parts of the world and agrarian societies where you have to learn how to survive off the land and how to learn how to do it, but I'm not sure in America we have great um, examples of apprenticeship. Comer says that there's three aspects or three parts of apprenticeship. That the first one was is that you be with your rabbi. There was a first century saying, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. Your rabbi would go from town to town and collecting the dust of their teachings. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's how we connect with Jesus. This is what we call grace. So to be with our rabbi, to be with Jesus, is simply to sit in God's grace and the knowledge that we are loved. The second step, Comer says, is that we have to become like Jesus. And this is when you are forming your life in the image of Christ. Praying the daily office, reflecting on scripture, joining a story group, taking time for Sabbath and contemplation, devoting yourself to the service of others. These are practices which run counter to our world's often ways of what we are formed by to connect us and be formed in God's image and God's grace. Tomorrow night, we'll be discussing this article from the Washington Post about um, the results of HGTV on the designs of our house. The article talks about how at the beginning of every HGTV show, there is a before picture, and most of the before pictures look a lot like my house. The decor looks cluttered, the paint may be a little outdated. The overall takeaway is that the home is an utter embarrassment and needs overhaul before anyone of taste would dare darken the doormat of that door. (laughs) But what happens when people consider how their own homes might fare under this same kind of scrutiny? According to one study, it can lead to an overwhelming sameness in aesthetics in which we sit there and think, well, the solution is, well, let's just be like everyone else. They're seeing everything that's wrong with their home, imagining when people come to the house that that's what they're also thinking, that they're criticizing and scrutinizing and judging your home, says Grant. It really makes people feel quite uneasy about the decisions that they make in their home, and so they're always kind of fearful about getting it wrong. What I'm trying to say is is that it is easy for us to be formed by things in the world. Just look at the way HGTV has formed the way in which we decorate our homes. So maybe we should be formed by something else other than consumer desire and satisfying others. The third thing Comer says is that we have to do what Jesus did. So many people want to immediately jump to this. Well, I want to go and save the world. Jesus' job, but a lot of people think it's theirs. 
And thinking about jumping in immediately to what Jesus did is a recipe for burnout and judgmentalism and pietism. Today's gospel reading takes place right after John the Baptist, who is in prison, has sent his disciples to Jesus to find out, Jesus, are you really the one? Remember, John is the herald that the, that, that the Messiah is arriving. John preached this baptism of repentance. Get your life together. And who is it that Jesus spends his time with are the people whose lives are not together. And Jesus does not seem to spend a whole lot of time yelling at them. Jesus simply eats with them. Jesus sees them as human and as broken and in need of a doctor. So John sends some of his disciples to inquire, maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe Jesus isn't the one. Go make sure that I announce the right Messiah. And Jesus tells the crowd in response to this um, request is that, you know, you people are impossible to please. You're like people who hear the joy of children and are angry. John was serious. He did everything was right. And you said he had a demon. I spend my time hanging out with those rejected by society and religion. And I am called a drunkard and a friend of sinners. The lectionary cuts out a section of this passage from Mark, verses 20 through 24, where Jesus announces that he is here to judge and that it would be better to be Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be to be under Jesus' judgment. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus does not say, I'm here just to judge, because if he was just the judge, there would be no hope for us. But Jesus is grace. Jesus' ultimate yoke, Jesus' teaching that he wants to place upon us is a, is a yoke of forgiveness. The criticism of Jesus that he is a friend to sinners is absolutely true. He has compassion for those who are lost. Be good for goodness sake is not Jesus' yoke. His yoke is light and the burden is little. His invitation is to come, to rest, to be refreshed by his grace, by his love. Our desire to be like Jesus and do what Jesus did means we have to understand his grace first. I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.